I don't ever remember hearing a sermon from, from Revelation past chapter 3. I don't. I, I, I've been trying to, you know, I've heard sermons about heaven and, and that kind of thing, but, uh, but not a specific sermon out of Revelation. I, I've never heard one. The majority of the first three chapters of Revelation, they deal with the seven churches of Asia, which are full of, of wonderful sermons. But so was the rest of Revelation. We've had classes. We had a whole series of, of classes. It took us over a year to complete a, a class on, on John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and, and Revelation, the, the writings of John. But why don't we hear sermons from Revelation? Revelation has a blessing. If you look at the first chapter, the third verse, Revelation has a blessing attached to it. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. We have a blessing here on the readers. We have a blessing here on the, the hearers. We have a blessing here on the doers. As Christians, we, we fit right in with this, Right? Readers, hearers, doers, we have a blessing. Maybe the reason we don't hear many sermons from Revelation is because of the symbolic language that it's written in. I mean, there are so many different opinions, aren't there? So many different views. Who's right? Who's right? And how, can you, how can you get up there in the pulpit and say emphatically and with confidence that what you're saying is right when there's so many different opinions so many different views maybe we don't want to try to read with understanding the book of Revelation because of the curse that is associated with the book there's a blessing yes but there's also a curse Revelation 22 Beginning with verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone take away from the words of the book of prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Nobody wants that. But with confidence, in this series of sermons, we will look at the meaning of certain passages and the application that they have in our lives today. Just as we study from Acts in Sammy Durrett's class on, on Wednesday night or, or the Gospels as, we, as we've been studying on, on Sunday morning. Just as we study First and Second Corinthians or just as there are, are, are volumes of sermons written on just, just passages, even just sentences out of these books. Just as the rest of the New Testament is, is, it has meaning to our lives, so does the book of Revelation. Just like the book of Ephesians, it, it, it meant something to the Ephesians then, and it means something to, to us today. 
doesn't it? So can the book of Revelation. Just never forget chapter 1, verse 1 of Revelation. This is the revealed message of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show His servants, and note, things which must shortly take place. If you keep that in mind, if you keep that in mind, it's hard to get tripped up. This book, like Philippians, let's say, was written to the people of that day. It had meaning to these people. We read in the first three chapters of, of, the, uh, of the book, the first three chapters of the intended audience, it had, it had meaning to them. And what we're going to do as we go through this series this year, we're going to see the meaning that it had for them and the meaning that it has today. And then we're going to apply those meanings to our lives. We read of the the audience, the seven churches which are in Asia. Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. And of the ones named here, these seven churches, we know that there were at least three others, three other congregations in this area in Asia. But these are listed. And like the book, it's symbolic The seven churches specifically are named because they stand representatively for the church as a whole. The seven, it's symbolic. The seven is perfection. God's perfect church, the bride, His perfect bride, the bride of Christ, during the time... That Revelation was written, his bride was under severe attack from pagan influence. He was surrounded by Satan himself. Christians faced constant threat. And they, they, they wondered. They wondered like we do today. How long? How long, oh Lord? How long is it going to be till you come back? How long will it be till we're avenged? How long till, till we see Jesus? How long will it be till we, we stop being persecuted? Till we stop being killed? How long, O oh Lord? How long till God takes us home? How long till God fulfills His promise? This revelation reveals in its pages and prophecy its purpose and its promise. To encourage the saints, God's children, that God's kingdom will stand forever and that God will fulfill His promise. No wonder John wrote at the end, the very last chapter, almost the very last words that John wrote in Revelation after John had seen all of these wonderful things, after he had seen this, this great vision, this, this panorama of, of God's will, after he sees all that, what does John say? Maranatha. Come, O oh Lord. Come quickly, Lord. 
Jesus tells the church in the first three chapters, I know you. I know you. Some of you have left your first love. Remember and repent, he says. I know the synagogue, the people of Satan who who walk among you. But if you're faithful, he says, you'll get the crown of life. Revelation 2 verse 10. Some of you, Jesus said, you hold fast to my name. But some of you, you hold uh, strange doctrines. But Jesus says, I know you. I know your works. I know your service. But I also know that some of you are sexual deviants. I know some of you are just dead. But some of you have, have a little strength. Oh, you of little faith, right? Some of you have a little strength and have kept my word and I will help you, says Jesus, in the hour of temptation. And some of you are neither hot nor cold. And I will vomit you out of my mouth, Jesus says. I rebuke and chasten you, Jesus says, because I love you and I want you to repent. Jesus told the church then, and he tells the church today. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will dine with him and he with me. It's a wonderful message to Christians. We then come to chapter 4. And John who sees and writes what he sees, John, the one whom Jesus loved, describes to us what he sees and what he hears so vividly in in figurative, apocalyptic language, the language and imagery of visions. John sees a door standing open in, in, in heaven and he hears a trumpet and, and he's transported to the throne of God. Among the things that he sees are are 24 elders clothed in white robes with with crowns of gold around the the throne of God. He sees this. And and from God's throne, it says there's lightnings and and thunder and, and voices, all of which illustrate the divine power and judgments of God. And before the throne is the perfect spirit of God seen as seven lamps of fire. They're the illumination of God's holy word. John sees four living creatures. John sees these creatures and the 24 elders, they're praising God. Those Christians then and us today, if they or you have ever, have ever thought, is being a Christian worth it? You read here and are blessed at the guarantee of ultimate victory. We win. We win. And then John, his attention is drawn to a book. A better translation would be a scroll, like you see on the screen. And it's in God's right hand, and there's writing on the, on the front of it, and there's writing on the back of it. It's complete. There's no adding to it. There's no taking away from it. It's complete. 
And the scroll is sealed. As you see, there's a seal around, around the scroll on the screen. On this scroll, it's sealed not just once, but seven times. This symbolizes that this is God's perfect revelation. This is God's perfect will. And John begins to cry. He cries because no one, no one, is worthy to open the scroll. No one. And one of the elders, as my elders have done for me, to tell John not to cry. Don't cry because the Lion of Judah is able to open the seals and reveal the contents of the scroll. And John sees a lamb. As though slain, it says, the Lamb is Jesus Christ, the last sacrifice. Church, there's going to be no more sacrifices for our sins. Jesus Christ is the last one. The Lamb takes the book out of God's right hand. And the creatures and the elders, they fall down at the feet of the Lamb and they praise His name. What's about to be opened is God's perfect plan. How those who oppress, those who persecute God's people would be punished and God's people would be saved. We're about to open that plan. All of this will be revealed. It's in chapter 6 that we begin in earnest. Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation chapter 6, here is where the Lamb begins to... Loosen the seven seals that hold closed God's perfect plan. We will now answer what these seals mean and what they mean for us today. Revelation chapter 6 verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. The white is purity. The crown is, is victory. The, the, the bow is the mode of victory. Many believe that this is, this is God's people who will conquer. Many believe that this is an image of Christ who's also seen in chapter 19 verse 11. But what we need to realize is, 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 is it means that we will win, that, that we will conquest. There will be a conquest of, of God's people, that God's people will win, God will overcome, God wins, and when God wins, we win. But what we need to realize is this is the theme of the entire book of Revelation. We see it right here in the first horse. This is the theme of the entire book. God wins. God and His people win. We conquer. We overcome. Jesus, it says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, Jesus came to redeem man and will destroy him that has the power over death. That's the devil. We will win. If you were a Christian then or are today, you are a winner. The Lamb opens another seal, the second seal. John sees a red horse. And its rider 
could take peace from the earth. Brother Robert Harkrider from Florida says this, who, wherever the word of God makes an entrance, the sword of persecution follows, he says. The sword here symbolizes persecution. It symbolizes violence. That, that sacrifices, hard sacrifices were, were going to have to be made. Brother Harkrider says again, Today we may not face a threat of physical death. Instead, we face the threat of being, hear me now, petted to death. Petted, Brother Harkrider writes, petted to spiritual death. By material prosperity, temporal conveniences, and pleasures. And, and the devil, he's right there to make sure you are discouraged. The red horse rides with the black horse. The third seal to be opened by the lamb, the rider of the black horse has a pair of balances in his hand. Sometimes the threat of de- death is by pers- uh, threat of persecution is by death. Here it's by economic hardship. Christians then and today are tested. We're, we're, we're forced to choose. In so many subtle ways, prosperity or God's Word? Family or God? Something that sounds like the truth? The truth. The world or Jesus? Brother Harkrider says again, He says, and hear me, Satan, the God of this world, tempts us to compete with the majority in the marathon for social honors, financial success, and human prestige. We can become so busy with the things of this world that we do not have time for the Lord. Is Danny Thompson still here? Back there in the back. Danny, my run was terrible yesterday. Awful day yesterday. Some days I have a good day when I run. Some days I have a terrible day when I run. Yesterday was a bad day. I didn't have a very good time running. That, that one where you gave me that water, that, that's a long stretch right there. It's a mind-numbing stretch down 52. I did not have a good time. But I figured it out, Danny. I figured out why I didn't have a good run yesterday. It was the very beginning. I was laughing. I was having a good time. It was, it was fun. But what I did wrong was I tried to keep up with the rest of you that were running. I started out too fast. By the time I got to you, I was toast. I was done. I was spent. Folks, There's so much going on around us in this world. And if you try to keep up with the Joneses, you're never going to beat them. The devil's got you. The devil's got you. We are put to the test. Put to the test always knowing about 
We're never talking about this fourth horse and this fourth rider. We're tested, but we, we, we never talk about this fourth horse or this fourth rider. And we find out its color as Jesus opens the fourth seal. Verse 7, And behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and Hades followed with him. Death is common to all. To those in the first century, to those of us today, we, we, we learn from Jesus in, in Luke chapter 16 that the dead go to Hades, uh, some go to paradise, some go to torment. Why, why do thing, bad things happen to good people? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? What we've got to look at here is what your definition of good is. Is it the world's definition or is it God's definition? Death and Hades are coming. Whose definition are you trying to live up to? Brother Shockley told me the other day that hell was not prepared for us. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't prepared for us. God hears the cries of His people. Hang on. Hang on, church. Hang on. It ain't going to be much longer. It's not going to be much longer. Hang on. Don't despair. Don't leave. Be a Christian. Be a real Christian. Hang on. Jesus Christ is coming back. When? I don't know, but hang on. It ain't going to be long. The Lamb opens the fifth seal. And under the altar were those killed because of God's Word, the martyred, those who, who gave their lives, those first century Christians. They, they wanted to know, is it worth it to be a Christian? When all around us, life is, is so hard. Faithful first century Christians are joined by faithful 21st century Christians. And we cry out, verse 10, with a loud voice, How long, oh God, is this going to take? How long will the wicked win? How long do I have to work? How long till I get the promise? Maranatha, come, oh Lord, come right now. How many of you really want Jesus Christ to come back right now? If you don't want Him to come back right now, you need to change your life. I say that, it may seem like I'm mad, but I say that with every ounce of love in my heart. You need to change your life if you don't want Jesus Christ to come back right now because you're not ready. How long? How long? Don't wait anymore. God, don't wait anymore. I'm tired. I'm weary. Those who I thought were my friends, they're gone. How long? How long is this going to take? Verse 11. Just a little while longer. It's a few more have got to die. 
it says. Few more have got to die. Hang on. And, and, and I, verse 12, looked when he, the lamb, opened the sixth seal. And behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black. The moon was like blood. Stars fell and trees shed. The sky was rolled up and mountains and islands were moved and kings and slaves, they hid themselves in caves. They knew that it was over for them. Hide us, they cried. This is, this is symbolic. This is apocalyptic language. Prophets have always used this type of language to signify God's judgment on the wicked. Does this represent the end of time or or is this the, uh, the end of Rome as a world power? Church, the sixth seal here is an overview of God's judgments. The whole book of Revelation is like a panoramic view of, of, of what's going to happen. And it tells you in different ways. No one here, as we learn, no one, rich or poor, king or general, slave or free, can stand before the wrath of God. Nobody. You must understand, church, you must understand, Fountainhead, the judgment is coming. Jesus Christ is coming back. And those of us who have been troubled will be given rest, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 7, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of Christ. God has set aside a day, a certain day. That day is today. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. Today, it says, if you hear His voice, and you know you need to be baptized or you know you need to repent, quit living like the world and do so. Today. Today it says if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Between the sixth and seventh seal and then being opened is a whole chapter, chapter seven. Some describe it as an interlude. I see it as a, as a blessing. 144,000 are represented here. And they represent all the Lord's servants. They're symbolic of of the saved church, verse 9, which no man could number. In John's vision, they, they wore white. And white, as we understand, is purity. And they cried with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Church, the judgment is coming. Sides have been drawn. As Christians, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. We have hope. And when we have hope, the hope that when Jesus Christ comes back, we'll see Him just as we are even now fully seen. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. This hope that we have continually purifies us just as He is pure. Do you have this hope? Will you join with heaven and sing a song of hope here? Knowing that you're going there. 
where chapter 7, verse 16 says, We shall neither hunger nor thirst anymore. The Lamb will shepherd us and lead us, and God will wipe away all tears. Don't you want to go? We sing that song. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go? Are you bound there? When you sing that song, do you sing a lie? You know, the song, the song says, don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Can you sing it? Are you going? Do you know? If you don't know, you need to know. Let's get started. Let's go. What do you say? Let's get started. Let's go. The Lamb opens the seventh seal. Chapter 8, verse 1. And there was silence. For 30 minutes. Silence is deafening, isn't it? Sometimes silence is so loud. I was talking to Mark Sexton, who was telling me about the pros and the cons of lads to leaders. I've been trying to check out lads to leaders, and he, they went this year. And he said the con uh, to this, to lads to leaders, is there's, there were so many activities at, at the Nashville Convention Center, so many activities, and there was just so much noise going on. He said the good thing was, There was so much noise going on except when they led a public prayer and there wasn't nothing but silence. He said the silence was so loud because there had been so much noise going on before. The Lord is in His holy temple. Silence before him. Keep silence. Keep silence. Keep silence before him. Notice in verse 3 in the vision. The prayer of all the saints are on the golden altar before God's throne. They are our, our sacrifices of praise. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. They are our, our spiritual sacrifices. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. They are our bodies as, as living sacrifices. Romans 12, verse 1. Our God knows that we're here. Our God knows that we're here. The most powerful being in the universe knows you. So let's get busy. Keep busy pleasing Him. Please Him now. And obey Him as together we stand and sing.